You are listening to the Grove Church Podcast, where you will find a message that is biblically based, relatable, and easy to understand. For more content or to learn more about the Grove Church, go to grovech.org. So when I saw that before the very first service, I had no idea, and I'm going, where'd you get those pictures? My wife. (laughs) Unbelievable. She texts me after the first service, and she said, anything unexpected? And I'm going like, sheesh, Louise, let's find every bad picture I've ever taken and put it on the screen in front of the church. So I appreciate that, Pastor. Yeah. So I want to start off by, by thanking Pastor Nick, not for those awful pictures of me, but really for the leadership that he provides in this church, in this setting. Um, we're talking about you know, making new wings and, and inviting new people. And every one of the three services this morning is just packed out. This one is well attended. I mean, we're, we're in a, a church where it's growing and it's thriving. And it's really, it's a tribute to the leadership of this, of this facility and, and just the organization of what's going on. It's so incredible. And he's, he's, he's put together such a great leadership team um, in Andrew and Ryan and Aaron and Patty and Curtis and the whole church board. And it, it's just, I think, I don't know that we really understand. As a member of this church, I don't think I get it to some level of how incredible it really is to worship at a place like this. Um, and I want to give honor where honor is due. And, and I think that our pastors, um, Nick and Heather, are just doing an incredible job. So let's give them a round of applause. Nick, did I get all that right? That's exactly what you wanted me to say, right? Okay, good. Yeah. No, he really didn't ask me to, to say that. Um, since he showed that video, and I asked him, I said, you're not going to show it tonight, are you? And he's like, yes, we have four services. They're all exactly the same. We're going to show the video tonight. And I said, okay, well, I'll keep telling the, the, the dirt stories on Pastor Nick. So... The first one that I want to share is that when we um, first started out at this church, both of us did, um, when we were in high school, kind of the very end of our high school, and then um, as we graduated, we both started at Everett Community College, and we got a job here as the custodian. So Pastor Nick was the custodian, I was a custodian, and we would kind of tag team the church, and we would clean you know, all the bathrooms and all the halls, and and. We, we wanted to make it fun, and so what we did a lot of the times is we would just um, talk in German accents, because a German accent pretty much makes everything better. So that's one of the things. The other thing that, that, that was really fun is that since we were the only two custodians here, we would bestow upon one another uh, the employee of the month honor every other month. So... You know, let's say I see Nick and I, you know, or maybe I go into the girl's bathroom right after he got done cleaning the toilets. And man, those are really clean. I'll say, Nick. And he'd say, Yavon. And I'd say, buddy, those toilets are so clean. I hereby bestow upon you this Burger King crown. You are the employee of the month. And then the next month, he would see the lines up in the, in the wing, the office wing that, that I had vacuumed. And they were just, I mean, perfect, just lined up perfectly. And he'd say, Barry, you are the employee of the month. And then I could wear the Burger King crown for that month. So, and I've actually used that on some resumes. 
six months out of the year, you're employee of the month. That's pretty impressive. At a church, no less. That's how I got some jobs. Um, the real dirt, though, that I have on your pastor is that when we were in high school, um, we, there was a mayor running for office here in Marysville, and his last name was Wiser. So you can maybe see where I'm going with this. Your pastor, Pastor Nick, went to all of Mayor Wiser's signs and changed his first name to Bud with a pen. So as everyone would go through Marysville, they would see vote for re-elect Mayor Bud Wiser. Your pastor. Your pastor. Yeah. Yeah, I got some Bible stuff in here, but that's later. Um, I'll continue with my introduction. Um, I'll put a picture of my family up here, and um, that's my wife, Amy, who is prettier than that sunset. Um, my daughter, Bailey, who is also prettier than that sunset. My son, Josiah, who's 16, and he's not pretty. Um, 16-year-olds know everything, and, and my son, is, he's an awesome, wonderful young man, but he's stubborn. He knows everything. And then there's me. And the only reason that I put that picture up there of my family is because really everything that I do, whether it's coaching basketball, teaching sixth graders, uh, going about living my life in, in any sort of ministry, sometimes I lead the music up here, sometimes I, I lead a life group on Monday nights, all those things are really because of these people right here. I want to shine an example of Jesus Christ to my family. And that's my very, very first ministry. And, really, and this, it kind of brings me to a, a side note. And I'll, we'll have a couple side notes throughout, throughout this conversation. And these are free. You don't have to pay any extra. It comes with the sermon. So this one is that if you're a dad and a husband, and you're working too much, and you're, you're neglecting your family, quit it. Knock it off. There isn't anything more important. And I feel really old saying this, but you're going to blink and all of a sudden your tiny little baby girls that you just dedicated are going to be 19 and have a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. And then your son will turn 16 and he'll be driving. And you'll blink and that'll happen. And I don't want to miss out on those moments, that, that, those memories that we created over the years because I was able to prioritize. And I've done a lot of things wrong in my life, but one thing that, that I feel like I've kind of done okay with is, is, is that those people know that I love them and that I care about them. And they know that not because I say it, even though I do, but it's because I've, I've put things aside so that I have time for them. They're my number one priority. So getting into this message, eyes wide open, generosity in friendship, what an incredible topic. And, I, and again, I feel so honored and blessed to be able to talk to you guys. I feel like I have a message that really isn't from me. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. I feel like God has been speaking through me in the, in the first services. I feel like God has been using me um, really and, and kind of training me up for this moment for the last couple of years and just some tragedies that have happened, some things that have gone on in my life that, that qualify me to talk here in front of you. Really, it's not anything that I've done. It's just God working through me. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you so much for this chance that I have to stand here 
and to talk about friendship. God, I, th- I know that in your word you talk about it so often about about friendship and about being a good friend. And I pray, Father God, that even as I would get into the stories and into the message and into your word today, that you would inspire people, that you would have people come expecting that to, to walk out of here changed, to walk out of here different than when they walked in. I pray, Father God, that you would open their hearts, open their ears and their minds to hear what, what is being spoken today. I pray that you would use me this, this evening to communicate a message of truth, and I pray it right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So the title of my message is Two Todds, Two Mics, and Some Tragedy. So I'll start with my first Todd. I have a, a good friend named Todd Bevan. Um, there he is right there up on the screen. Todd Bevan came into my life probably five or six years ago, and immediately, the first moment that I met him, there was something different about him. And I didn't really know what it was. Um, he was coaching AAU basketball in our city. And so I was, you know, um, kind of interested in, in all the coaches. And he had a couple of boys that were going to be coming up through the system. And one of his sons was really, really good at hoops. And so you're kind of thinking, you know, I want to know a little bit about this guy. And, and so I, I just, had, through a series of events, started to get to know him and, and man, it, the, when you would watch him from afar, no matter who he was talking to, no matter who he was with, he, he, he was, had this genuine interest in everyone that he was around. And he saw value in people, you know, kind of like what Pastor Nick was talking about with the kids. You know, sometimes we're just like, oh, you know, you're in my way or you're grabbing too many cookies. But he, he wasn't like that really with anyone. He just found value in every single person that he met. And he had this love about him that was unconditional. It wasn't, it wasn't like he was expecting something in return. And he had the type of love where it would alter his schedule. It would sometimes alter his budget. One time on, on my birthday, um, basketball season starts right around my birthday in November. And he gathers all my players, all the boys that were actually, all the kids that were trying out for hoops. So there's like 70 or 80 kids in the gym. And he says, you know, coach doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I just want to, I want to create in this gym a culture of honor. And we are to honor the head basketball coach at Marysville Pilchuck High School. And, th- and he starts co- kind of giving me this big speech. And then he, he hands me an iPad. And this is when iPads were first coming out. And he just gives me this iPad for my birthday. And you're just like, you know, I want to be that type of person. I want to be that type of friend that just loves unconditionally. He didn't expect anything in return. He wasn't doing it for anything else, but that he found value in me. And, and that was so incredible. But it wasn't just with me that he found value. He found value with, with everyone that he came into contact with. And then the more I got to know him, I started to understand why. He owned a construction company. That's what he did for work. But he was also a missionary. So Todd would go all over the world. He's been to Pakistan and Africa and Central America and South America. And he's been all over the world impacting people's lives for the gospel. And he would kind of do construction so that he could pay and go and do these trips all over the world and reach people for Christ. And so you go, okay, now I know. Now I get what I was so attracted to at the very beginning. It wasn't Todd. It was the Jesus in Todd. And the reason that he was able to be, and the, the, the reason that he is, is that type of friend is because he has a genuine relationship and friendship with Jesus. And we're going to talk in the word about where, where John talks about that friendship that he develops. So here's where some of the tragedy starts to come into to the, the message, into the story. So about two and a half years ago, 
Todd Bevan was diagnosed with colorectal cancer that spread into his lymphatic system and then into his brain. And there was, you know, the, the cancer was worsening. It was, it was getting to where it was, it was really, really bad. He was given six months to live, but he, he, he battled and he fought for two and a half years. And right near the end, he was sitting at one of our games. His son, like I said, was on my team. He was the best player we had. He was actually voted uh, first team all-conference and all-area player of the year, Josh Bevan, um, a boy that I just coached this year. And Todd's sitting in his wheelchair at our crosstown rivalry game, and he's wrapped up in his blanket, and he's you know, emaciated, wasting away to nothing, and cancer's just wreaked havoc on his body, and he's wearing a stocking hat. And, you know, I'd, I'd visit with him. I, 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 there was times when you'd visit with him, and he'd say things that didn't make any sense. You could tell that the cancer was, was just bad. And, but then there was times where he'd have clarity, and, and this was one of those moments, and I, and I walked by. I was just going to walk by. I didn't know really where he was at, and I was getting ready to go up to the locker room and get my boys ready for the game. as halfway through the JV game, and Todd said, Coach. You know, and so then I went down. I knelt down right next to his wheelchair, and, and tears welled up in his eyes, and you could tell it was going to be a moment of clarity for him. And he just said, he said, Barry, I'm not ready to go. Coach, I'm not ready to go. He said, I want you to go to Africa with me. There's some kids there that I feel like that you could have an impact on. And I want you to come with me to Pakistan. There's more that I have to do here. Unfortunately, about a week and a half ago, Todd Bevan went home to be with the Lord. And so, Really, it's kind of, where do we go with something like that? And I really feel like that's a whole different message, the mystery of God. We don't understand why certain things happen. But he did, he did give me, at least, a little bit of a picture of, a, of the bigger picture of why something like that would happen. And it came through that same incredible player, his son, 18-year-old Josh Bevan, spoke at his dad's funeral. And the legacy that Todd had passed to his boy was so apparent, it was unbelievable. Joshua spoke for 15 or 20 minutes at his dad's funeral talking about how incredible of a man he was, how, how much value and importance that he found in, in not only his own family, but in everyone that he ever, that he ever came into contact with. He said, my, my dad was my hero. My dad was my best friend. And what a testament of a man's life to leave a legacy of his 18-year-old son to be able to, to talk at, it, at his funeral. And there were probably five times the amount of people that are here tonight at Todd Bevan's funeral. And what a legacy. Uh, what I'm saying about how he found value in those people, that was obvious. It was so evident at his, at his memorial service. And it was a situation where you just knew that you knew that God had a bigger plan and a bigger picture. And Joshua came up near the end of that funeral service and he invited people to come forward and, and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior at his dad's funeral. And the, one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life, I had six or seven of my current basketball players that came forward. You know, at first you're just thinking it's kind of in support of Joshua, but it wasn't. They wanted to have what Todd Bevan had. They wanted to have that relationship, that friendship with Jesus Christ. 
And what an amazing legacy. And I know that I know that Todd Bevan was smiling. I know that Todd Bevan was going, man, if, if I have to die so that those six kids get saved and can have eternal life with Jesus Christ, he'd do it again. And that's the type of unconditional love and friendship that Todd Bevan had. The next Todd that I want to talk about, remember my title is Two Todds, Two Mikes, and Some Tragedy. The next Todd I want to talk about is Todd Dutzman. So I'm standing here with my buddy Todd Dutzman. Todd Dutzman is someone who loves enthusiastically. Okay, so this is the guy, this is the friend where when something's good going in your life, when you, you just got something new or you're celebrating something, you call Todd and Todd literally is more excited about what's happening in your life than you are. You have any friends like that? I mean, it's like, I called him one time when I, I got a free car, a Mercedes-Benz, a late 80s Mercedes. I mean, this is nice. From one of my friends, and I call him up. I said, Todd, you're never going to guess. I just got a, I got, a, I got a late 80s Mercedes. He's like, what? I'm coming over. I'm coming over right now. Okay. So then he gets in there, and he, I mean, it's just one of those things. He's so genuinely, enthusiastically excited because I got a new car. You know also, if you have friends like that, you also have friends that are going, oh, I wish I got a new car. <laughs> or the one-upper. It's kind of like, this is a late 80s Mercedes. I'm getting a 99 Mercedes. Or I'm getting a 2016 Mercedes. Todd's not that friend. Todd Dutzman is so stoked and his, his famous lines all the time, he's always talking about how blessed are we. So we'll sit down to a meal, and he'll say, Tammy, this is restaurant quality. This is so good of salad. I mean, it's just a regular green salad. But he's like, this is unbelievable, honey. This is the best salad I've ever had in my life. Thank you so much. How blessed are we, you guys? Tammy, how blessed are we? Just all the time, nonstop. Well, some tragedy comes into this story as well. My friend Todd Dutzman and I, we were celebrating. He has a daughter that's the same age as my daughter, a son that's the same age as my son. And so obviously our, our families are really connected. And then he has one son that's older. But we were celebrating our, our daughter's graduation in Hawaii. And we went swimming in the ocean. And Todd caught a big wave. And then his head went straight down into the sand. And he was floating there in the sand. And so then I ran over to Todd, and I picked him up, and I said, buddy, are you okay? And he looked up. I can, I'll never, ever in my whole life forget that look that he had on his face because he's not afraid of anything. He's the life of the party. He's the, he's the plan of action. Todd Dutzman knows exactly what we're doing, when we're doing, how we're doing it, everything. And he looked up at me, and he goes, no, buddy, I can't move. I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my arms. And so as we took him up on, onto the shore, and then the, obviously the lifeguards are on the scene by that time, and, and we get him up on the shore, and you're just, you're just going, why? Why does this have to happen? I'm just praying. I'm praying like crazy, and I'm thinking, you know, it's just like a kind of like a stinger, you know, where it's just like he'll lose his feeling, but then it'll come back, and they'll get him back, and then we'll just, you know, have the, the rest of our seven or nine days we had in Hawaii together as a family like we've planned, right? And that's not how it worked out. Todd is, is paralyzed now. But just to give you a little bit of insight into his life and his world and this enthusiasm that he still has in spite of these circumstances, 
is we get him up on the beach and the lifeguard is, is over him. And, you know, I'm, I'm snotting because I'm crying like crazy and I'm, I'm, I'm praying. And we're, we're over Todd and, and the, the lifeguard says, what's your name? And he looks up at her and he goes, Stallion. <laughs> he's just going, really? Like, we're joking at this moment in time? <clears throat> How old are you, Stallion? 25. Well, he's like 48. So, but th- this is Todd right here um, in his wheelchair at his house. And he's still, he's still the first person that I want to call when things are going good or when things are going bad because he has such an amazing perspective. And, and, and over the course of our friendship, what I've realized is that he has the same thing that Todd Bevan has. He has a friendship with Jesus Christ. And a friendship with Jesus Christ can help you battle cancer for two years longer than you're supposed to. A friendship with Jesus Christ can help you have the right perspective and the right attitude even though you're paralyzed. Todd Dutzman was in one of the services today and and he texted me before the first service because he knew that I was really nervous to talk in front of people. And he said, hey buddy, if you're feeling nervous at all, just make sure you remember the old adage that just look out on the crowd and and imagine all of them in their underwear. (laughs) God bless, you know? And And I haven't been doing that, by the way. But what you have here in, in Todd Dutzman is this, this radical lover of Jesus Christ, and it spills over into his life. So now he has a Facebook page, Big Daddy's Big Adventure, and you can go and check that out. And he's reaching thousands and thousands of people with inspiration and with Jesus Christ because of the accident. You know, is it fair? Is it right? Did Todd have some more stuff he wanted to do with his able body? Yeah, he did. And he still feels, and I still feel like he's going to get back to that. He's, gonna, he's, he's working. He's able to kind of feed himself now. He's, it went from when, we, when it first happened, he couldn't feel anything anywhere. They just were about to call it a complete injury. And then that same day they were going to diagnose him, he wiggled his toes. And so then they go, okay, it's an incomplete injury. And now we, we stand him up. You saw in the first picture that he's still paralyzed in that picture, but we can stand him up. He walks. He's working so hard at physical therapy. And his mentality, his perspective, his attitude, and his relationship with Jesus Christ are the things that are taking him where, where really we all want him to go. So how does this apply to, to us? You know, I, I'm talking about some some people in my world that, that we've experienced tragedy together. But if, if I sat down and talked to any one of you for any length of time, there, there's similar stories. There's stories of cancer. There's stories of paralysis. There's stories of abuse. There's stories of divorce. There's stories and stories and stories of, of bad things that happen to really, really awesome people. And so where do we go with that? And really, that's the question that we need to delve in. And what does God say about friendship? So let's, let's talk about that. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 10, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good re- return for their labor. Okay? So I think Todd was pretty grateful at that moment when his head hit the bottom of the ocean that, that, that we were out body surfing together. Because he said he was floating there face down and he kind of had a few thoughts go through his brain. And one of them was, man, is this how I'm going to check out? 
And he told me this exact words. Second one was, hmm, I wonder if this is how uh, starfish feel, where they're just kind of their arms and legs are just kind of going like this. And then the third thought was, I have about a minute and a half until if someone doesn't come get me, then I'm going to have to take in a gulp of, of, of water. And I don't want to do that. And so then that, that's when I came. But two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And then I have a photo that um, shows that two are better than one. <laughs> um, these guys are obviously workout partners. Um, their labor is intense. They, they work out so much that they've gotten these incredible six packs, maybe eight packs. Um, and they're doing this new program called P90 Fence. You might want to get it going at CrossFit. P90 Fence. Okay. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When I talk about my Todd's, those guys sharpen me. They make me better. They make me want to be an unconditional lover. They want me to be an enthusiastic friend. But the main verse that I want to really delve deep into today is 1 John 4, verses 7 through 11. And it says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And I really want to hone in on verse 11. It says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So I'm just going to zip through this part. This is really the most important thing that I'm gonna talk about it all today. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So little backstory with John, this is written, John is one of Jesus' best friends. So when, when Jesus was on the earth, John and him hung out. John and him had intimate moments together. They ate together, they, they laughed together, they spent tons and tons of time together. And now this is John 50 years later, after Jesus is, has died and has raised again from the, on the third day. Now he's older, he's wiser, he's got some gray hairs, he's kind of like Grandpa John. He's, he's wise now, and he's saying, I spent time with this guy, and the main thing that I want to tell you is that since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So God is calling us because he loved us, yes, he wants us to love him in return, but the way that we show our love for God in return is by loving other people. And the love that's used here isn't brotherly love. It's not romantic type of love. The love that he's talking about in this verse is unconditional love. So it's easy for Todd and Todd to love me because I'm their, I'm, I'm their friend. But what I am so impressed by with both Todd's is that they love unlovable people. They love people that annoy them. They love people, you know, that, that cousin or that aunt or that uncle in your family that's just like, oh my gosh, they're calling again. They're so needy. They love those people. And the only reason that they can do that is because, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to love those that don't love us back. And that's really where I'm going to go with these next two guys. 
Because remember, my story is called Two Todds, Two Mikes, and some tragedy. We've talked about Todds. We've talked about tragedy. Now, my friend's Mike. Mike Brooks is a generous person. Michael Brooks has been really, really blessed financially. He has an awesome construction company in Seattle. They do high-end uh, construction work. And Michael Brooks, his, the, the lesson that he taught me is he, this is how he holds his stuff. This is how he holds his possession. He's got a lot of, of, of stuff, but he holds it like this. He holds it loosely. And, I, and, and he read it somewhere, but he just said, you know, God has blessed me with all this stuff, but I don't want to hold on to it. I don't want to, you know, just mine and you can't have it. He just holds it loosely. He says, it's really, it's not mine. It's God. God blessed me with it. He can take it away at any moment. And when I have it, I want to give it. I want to give it to others. So if I'll say, Mike, can I borrow your truck? Of course. Mike, can I host my basketball banquet at your house? Because your house is huge and my house is tiny and I got big basketball players and they need, and of course. When can I start the food? That's the type of, of generosity that he has. That's Michael Brooks. Mike Cole, and this is really something that I probably should have talked about sooner but you have to understand Mike Cole is the most disciplined person that I've ever met in my entire life, okay? He has a, a Bible reading habit to where he doesn't just read his Bible every single day. He's got a notebook that goes along with it, a binder that has A through Z in it. And so when he's reading through scriptures and he finds something about obedience, boom, he opens up to O. Oh, do I have that obedience verse yet? Nope, okay, I'll write that one in. And he does that for every topic, and he's done it for 10 or 15 years. This notebook is just incredible. And he does that every single day, just like he eats Raisin Bran every single day, just like he works out every single day without fail. And God has blessed him. But the thing about Mike Cole, the, the way that he's been a friend to me is he's a truth teller. So in my life, he saw an area in my life that didn't match up with how I wanted to be. And he knows me well enough to know how I want to be as a dad, as a husband, as a teacher, as a coach. And he saw how I was, how I was treating basketball officials. And he, in one moment, finally kind of worked up the courage and he came to me with, with really just a soft heart. And he said, he goes, Barry, there's, there's something I need to talk to you about. And we're really good friends. And so when he was kind of white-faced and a little bit nervous, I'm going, what's going on here? And he said, the way that you treat basketball officials, it doesn't line up with how you want to be as a, as a Christian. It doesn't, want to, it doesn't line up with how you want to be as a husband and a, as a father and as a coach and as, as a teacher. It doesn't, it doesn't jive. It's ugly on you. And so I had a choice really at that moment because you have truth tellers in your life and you hope they're, they're coming to you with a contrite heart and just a, a good, you know, he wanted what was best for me. And he saw something that I wasn't doing well, and he wanted to help me. But I could have responded in a couple of different ways. You know, initially, in your humanness, you kind of want to be like, okay, Mr. Perfect. Yeah, why don't we get up together and eat Raisin Bran and go work out, and then we'll do our Bible time together, and I'll put something in your D folder around dedication. Or maybe we'll go to J for judgment. You know, something like that. But really, <clears throat> so I had a choice. But because he came to me with tact, and you could just see in his face that he, he wasn't going, you, you know, you're this and you're that. He's saying, buddy, this doesn't line up with how you are. 
And so that is a friend that's a truth-telling friend. So really, we've talked about all kind of different things today. Loving unconditionally, loving generously, loving in truth, loving enthusiastically. But really, the main thing that I want you to hear today, and this is the one thing, if we want good friends, we must become good at friendship. Okay? And I've already given you the simple solution to becoming a great friend is really to develop a friendship with Jesus Christ. And I say that it's simple because it's simple to understand, but it's not easy. It's not easy to develop the type of relationship and friendship with Jesus Christ, so much so that, that when that annoying coworker comes to you on Monday morning, tomorrow morning, how are you gonna respond? Because really that's the challenge. That's what I challenge you guys with today is how are you going to change to where you love unconditionally, love generously, love in truth, and love enthusiastically? So I'm saying you guys need to change. You guys need to get better, right? So here's, look at this. When I'm pointing at you with that one finger, there's three pointing back at me. And that's what I, I wanna change. I wanna be that friend to Todd and to Todd and to Mike and to Mike and to all my friends. I wanna sharpen them like iron sharpens iron. And really that's our challenge this evening is that we can really submit our lives to God and develop a relationship and a friendship with Jesus Christ so that those are the type of friends that we become. So how many in here want to, when I have some good news, you wanna be the type of friend that raises your hand and says, yeah, call me, because I'm gonna be more excited about your good news than you are. I'm not gonna be that envious friend. I'm not gonna be that jealous friend. I'm not gonna be that friend that says, so, you got a Mercedes? I got a, something better than a Mercedes. I don't know if there is anything better than a Mercedes. Which one? Lamborghini. Okay, I got a Lamborghini. Great. So that really, that's the challenge. And, and I hope you guys hear my heart today that I'm not up here pointing fingers, even though I just was. But really, I, I want to be better. And I think that that's why we come and we, co we come here to worship and we come here to hear a message that inspires us from God's word because we want to be better. And so let's just pray. God, I thank you for your word and where it says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Father, I pray that that would be our heart's cry, that that would be our prayer in every waking moment, Lord God, and we're never gonna do it perfectly. Todd and Todd and Mike and Mike don't do it perfectly. I don't do it perfectly. None of us in here do, but I pray that our goal would be to strive to be better, to challenge ourselves in those situations, to love unconditionally, to love generously and in truth and enthusiastically. And we just thank you for your word. We thank you for an opportunity, Lord Jesus, to be better. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.